Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. I, I want to jump in. Uh, this is Real Talk Part 2. Real Talk Part 2. And uh, Jamie and I, we're going to tag team. And um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, if you notice, I'm very strategic with this tag teaming. Um, I always go last. So that way, whatever she said about me, I can clarify, okay? So uh, we're, we're, we're going to do that, we're gonna do that same, same thing. Um, so uh, I want to jump in. I want to go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 24. We're going to read in the message translation. It's paraphrase translation. We started in the beginning of this chapter last week, and, uh, and this week I want to go to the end of the chapter. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it says, These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. See, this, this is my concern with our relationships. It's not that we don't make friends, it's that friendships don't last. It's not that we don't get married, it's just that marriages don't last. It's not that we don't love our kids, it's just that relationships don't last. And we talked about this last week, we are moving. The reason we're talking about this is because we believe in relational equilibrium which means a balancing out, that, 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 that my relationships in my life are successful, thriving, and balanced. Doesn't mean I don't go through things, but I find an a, a emotional, a relational equilibrium in the place of those relationships. Today, we want to talk about being intentional. A lot, a lot of times I think people uh, maybe assume that a, that a marriage or that a relationship is just going like, to be amazing without making it amazing. Your house, your relationships, your marriage is what you make it. I think sometimes we think, you know, if we just switch out the friends, then this friendship is going to be better. No, no, the, the, the friendship has dynamics that we have to learn and have to be intentional about. Intentional means done on purpose or deliberate. Let me just ask, oh, just about threw my iPad there. Let me, let me just ask you this. Uh, it's going to come through the screen in Wiley. Um, uh, let me just ask you this. How deliberate are you? in your relationships. Man, we're friends because we like the same things and we just click. That's great and it'll last for a little while. But true relationships that have longevity are relationships that we have to be intentional about. You know, when I moved from Washington to Texas, the relationships that lasted, the move, are only relationships that I was intentional about. There's a lot of people that I'm not in touch with anymore that I used to be in touch with, used to be friends, just by nature of moving geographically. But there are some relationships that were closer than we were before because we were intentional about them. I, I remember the first time, and uh, you know we're up here together, so i got to be careful, but um, I remember the first time I really started getting intentional with Jamie. And uh, I was at the gym, you know. Just, just working, working, you know. Physical training is of some value, so you know, I just, just in there cutting it up, and, um, and, and so working on that temple, you know, know what I'm saying? And so, anyways, uh, curls for the girls, you know, and, and, and at that point it was girls, plural, but that day it became singular, and um, so, 
It's, it's, I'm, I'm in there, I'm curled. I can see in the front like I saw Jamie come in. And I'm like, oh my, this is my moment. You know, this, here, here she is. And so, she, you know, I threw on a couple extra weights, grunted extra loud, and she walked right by. Didn't even look in, didn't even see me. So I thought, you know, I need to grunt louder. And um, so she just happened to, like, walk back by, and I'm, you know, try to get a good grunt in. And um, she kind of looks over. I'm like, oh, hey, hey, you're here? Oh, hey. You know, assuming the will of God has now brought us together here at the gym. And I'm like, oh, you work out, I work out, same passions. Like, you know, we should, we should be together. And uh, I'm like, that's crazy. I didn't know you work out here. And she's like, I don't. I just came to tan. I never lifted a weight a day in my life at that gym. <laughs> Not a day. Yeah, so um, that's the day, though, I decided, even though, you know, it was a little disappointing on the weight side. Um, that's the day I decided I'm going to be intentional. Now, I'm going to tell you, she went overseas, and we, we corresponded long distance for a long time. The only way that happened was to be intentional. And I want to talk about today, as, as we dive into this, I want to talk about intentionality. I want to talk about being deliberate in the relationships that we have. This text in Matthew chapter 7 is speaking about putting the words, the words of God into practice. It says build your house on the rock, and a lot of people focus on building on the rock. But what it's saying is the way you build on the rock is by putting into practice what he said. You have to be intentional. I found this article in the New York Times. It said, uh, friends are supposed to be good for you. In recent years, scientific research has suggested that people who have strong friendships experience less stress. They recover more quickly from heart attacks, and they are likely to live longer than the friendless. They're even, and I don't know about this, they're even less susceptible to the common cold, studies show. It's important to have friends. We know this. But we're going to go to a little bit more reliable source. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times, which that's, that'll preach in and of itself. It says it'll preach, or a friend will love it. All times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. The text tells us that the key to building your house on the rock is by putting these things, these words, into practice. Listen to what it says. It says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Oh, take a couple notes. Oh, yeah, that's great. Inspired. He says, no, these are, these are not just homeowner improvements to your standard of living. These are foundational words foundational words you can build your life on. God's plan for your relationships is for those relationships to be built on the rock. Not a house of cards, not one here today and gone tomorrow, but lasting, strong relationships. And the only way you can do that is by being intentional. And so we want to talk about a couple areas that you need to be intentional in. And the first area is that you have to have intentional effort. Intentional effort. One of the ways that we really prioritize and have some things we decided to have intentional effort on within our relationship, our family, our friendships, um, here at the church, is we are very intentional about communication. And communication is important. Communicate. We all know that. We all learn that in premarital counseling, and we all hear this in personality tests. And it is a cliche, but most cliches are cliches because they're so very true, <laughs> right? We say them all the time. Just because we hear it all the time doesn't make it less true that communication is the backbone 
of any healthy relationship. When communication starts to deteriorate, people grow apart. We get vain imaginations. You ever thought somebody like hated you and they were just having a bad day? But you could have gone for the next two years thinking they hate you when they just didn't smile because they're going through something, right? So we all have been there where we just are angsty, right? Just the angst is taking over and then we talk about it and you're like, oh, everything's fine now, right? We, when we were youth pastors, I mean, teenagers, right? It's like one day, like they're unfollowing each other and this is over and the next it's like they're besties again. Because when you talk about it, right, we feel better about it. Um, but the thing with communication is we have to prioritize it and we have to be intentional about it. And being intentional in communication, especially when it comes to conflict situations or things that need to be communicated within families or relationships where we have to say something hard, what communication is saying, and this is what we, I think we have to get in our heads, is I value you enough. I honor this relationship enough to make myself uncomfortable and tell you, you hurt my feelings, or are you upset at me, or whatever the case may be. And so we have to be intentional in our relationships, and by being that, we really show people that we value them. The problem, I think, a lot of the times is some of us are over-communicators, right? And then some of us are under-communicators. And so the under-communicators who relate with me, you have a really hard time saying words, knowing what's you, what you feel and then saying it. It's, it's, a diff, it's, a, it's a challenge. That's okay, but if you're married, if you have a friend, if you've got kids, it's unacceptable for, uh, and I can say this because I'm talking to myself, preaching to myself. Dustin gave me this one on purpose. <laughs> we, it's unacceptable. <laughs> Real talk. It's unacceptable for us to not be willing to grow in that area and learn to s figure out what's going on and say the words to their person. Now, the over-communicators need to learn at times how to let some things go because there is a verbal, verbal vomiting that's happening on everyone that you know, and they can't handle it. And you feel better, and they feel like they want to go sleep for a week after being with you. And so over-communicators need to just, at, at times, let things go. We don't ha you don't have to tell everybody you've ever forgiven that you forgive them can we stop telling people that we're forgiving them and just forgiving them right like we don't have to verbalize every single thing we're feeling but we do need to know the mo and we have to strategize and be smart about the moments that we do need to verbalize we um Dustin's highly communicative as I'm sure you know and so uh, a while ago, we had a really nice toy, and my children and I left it, all of us, left it outside in our yard. I like to bring them into the blame because I don't want to take it on myself. Um, and so we left it out in the yard, and it rained, and the toy got ruined. Really nice toy. Dusty comes home, and he's like, oh, man, this is why we can't have nice things, <laughs> said like every dad ever. And this is why we can't have nice things. Like, I really need you guys to do a better job of like taking care of our things. And I'm just like, I'm so sorry that I fail. I am so sorry that I am trying to have fun with my children and f go in and feed them and then give them baths and then go and study for intern class tomorrow. I am so sorry that, and he, and this is what he said. He's like, but I really have let a lot go this week. <laughs> Over-communicators need to learn to pick your battles, right? When do you let go? When do you, like, he doesn't complain about the blinds, one blind being up and one blind being down, right? He just goes and fixes them himself now. But when we're ruining $100 toys, it's time to say something. And so we have to learn these things. Here's some practicals for us on just how to be better in communication. Number one is when you go into 
a talk with somebody. Assume the best about them and assume that they love you. If you've been through anything together, most likely at their core, they love you. And they want to see this relationship work. So go in thinking the best about them and assuming that they're thinking the best about you. Um, The second thing, we have to learn to speak each other's languages. We all speak different languages. And I had to have a lot of long-term missionary friends. And there is not one that has moved to Cambodia, Thailand, Korea, Venezuela. Not one that didn't learn the language. But yet we can get married and be like, I'm just going to do me. Right? And, and it doesn't work because we're speaking different languages, so we have to learn how to talk to each other. A while ago, Dustin, well, actually for years, when Dustin and I would get in an argument, I would say, I know what you're thinking. This would be my phrase, right? I know what you're thinking. I'm horrible. I know what you're thinking. You wish you married somebody else. <laughs> We've all, don't pretend like you haven't done it, right, ladies? We've all done this. And so I'm like, I know what you're thinking. And after a while, he was like, when you say, I know what you're thinking, I cannot even hear anything after that. (laughs) He was like, because you're telling me what I'm thinking, and then I can't hear you because I'm so frustrated that you think you're reading my mind when I'm not thinking any of those things. And so I had to learn to stop saying that so that he could hear me and listen. The third thing is we have to learn to listen to understand. We listen to defend, right? You've been there. Like somebody's talking. They're like, it kind of hurt me when you bailed the other day. And you're thinking like, oh, if they only knew why I bailed it. I can defend myself here. And that wasn't my heart. Just because you hurt. I have hurt so many people unintentionally. Like that is a part of life. Just because you hurt somebody does not mean that you're a bad person. Right? There, there doesn't need to be this like weight of like shame and guilt on us just because we hurt somebody. But if we at never, if we always fail to just be wrong and listen to where they're coming from and just give an honest, sincere apology, like there's no health there. We can't have thriving, healthy relationships without that. Conflict isn't bad. If you have been walked with anybody for more than two years, if you have not had some point of conflict, there's somebody's burying something, most likely, because it's normal, it's healthy. We just learn how to have to learn how to have it. Um, the second thing we're very intentional and effort in, on is, is affirmation. We try to be a very affirming family, a very affirming friends. Um, we like an affirming culture here at the church because a lot of us, we think things that we never say. And we think just because we're thinking it, it's okay for all you bros out there. Not to stereotype, this can be a female thing as well. It is for me at times. But some of you, you adore your wives. You're so proud of your kids. And you think you have the best team at work ever. But if we never say it, they don't know. And our default as humans is toward I'm not enough, right? I'm not valuable. Nobody sees me. That's our default. And so we have to be people who say the things that we feel and think about people intentionally. That builds healthy relationships. The, um, the last thing in intentional effort is loyalty. Loyalty is a lost virtue. Loyalty, there is, you could get, line up a hundred character qualities for me, and if I could pick one in a friend, a spouse, right, kids, loyalty. That's it. Because if we can see each other through things, like, people don't have that in our culture. We are taught in our culture, like, bail for better opportunities, ditch them for that, right? Like, somebody fails here, makes a mistake here, and we gang up. There's such a sense of just, like, sell each other out, get to the top. But in God's world, and God's kingdom, there needs to be a loyalty, a commitment to redeeming the lost art of loyalty and having each other's backs. Loyalty is proven in adversity, 
Dee said the verse earlier, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for times of adversity. Who can you depend on in a battle and can you be depended on in a battle? And can you be depended on in a battle when it's with that person? Because anybody can stand up here and be like, I got your back, you know, but what if I hurt them? Can they come to me? Can we work this out? Or do they have to go to the small group, right? And, and be like, can we pray for Jamie? She seems to be really brash, right? Like, this is what we do. And so we have to be people of loyalty, thinking the best about each other, standing with each other, saying the best about each other. Gossip is when you're talking to people that can't solve the problem. There's nothing wrong with seeking wisdom and help, but if you're just talking it up, talking smack, to people that have no power to control the situation, you're just adding more burdens to the problem. But it goes beyond that, and it's also not just a matter of saying it, but it's a matter of hearing it and listening to it. There are certain people that the critics and the judges and the naysayers will always find, right? And then they'll come and be like, so-and-so is saying this, and -and so-and-so is saying this, or a few people have a problem with the seating arrangement, and we're like, you have a problem with the seating arrangement. (laughs) We saw you sneak in at nine last night and put his purse on the chair. No, I was just joking. (laughs) That's never happened. But there can be such a sense of, like, just taking on other people's, like, junk. I saw somebody the other day, one of my friends said, I'm not so concerned about what people are saying about me, just Randy's. She's like, what I'm concerned about is why they feel so comfortable saying it to you. Somebody who said, I'm going to be in the battle with you. I'm in the thick of this with you. I've got your back. Why are people so comfortable with that? And so I just want to challenge us to become people who are loyal. Again, it doesn't mean no conflict and be like, oh, you're perfect. You're wonderful. Flattery, flattery isn't friendship, right? But it's, it's a commitment to seeing things through with people. Um, I have been through hell and high water with some people. Some people in this room, like hell or high water. And it's been years of trusting and testing, and I know who's with me, right? Some of you are with me, and I know that because you're just loyal, and it's been proven. So I just want to challenge us to redeem loyalty in our marriages, with our kids, have our kids' backs, have each other's backs, loyal to God. Um, it's such an important quality. And, and I think with loyalty, and this is, what, this is where we're going to come back to multiple times today, is the only way you can really be loyal is if you're intentional about it. Accidental loyalty isn't really loyalty. Accidental loyalty usually is a result of agreement. Loyalty is seen when there's a disagreement. When there, when there is a break, when there's a breach, when now we have to get our minds around something, if someone said something, accusation, that's really where loyalty is seen. This, the second thing you got to be intentional about, and this is kind of a bad word in relationships, but you have to be intentional about compromise. Intentional compromise. I, I like to say accidental compromise is usually manipulation. Intentional compromise is where both... Both parties give. Accidental compromise is that I am forced into compromise to keep you. That's not a good situation. Intentional compromise says we're both going to give to make this thing work. Flexibility bends. Rigidity breaks. And we have so many people that are so rigid. Like it's impossible for you to be wrong. It's impossible for you to lose an argument. Did you know that arguments are not supposed to be won or lost? That's not the point of the argument. This might help you right here. You could take this one home with you. Like this, the, 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 the point of your argument on the way to church today, maybe, you know. Been, been there too, real talk. Uh, it is not about who won and who lost. 
I told you to use Google Maps. You told me where you were going, and you're back and forth. What's, there, there is a, there is, I saw a lot of elbows start to fly. Is driving an issue with you two? Yes. Um, we, we have to find out that communication or understanding is the goal. That both parties are in it to give. This is what John says, John chapter 15. He says, greater love has no one than this. Just kind of set the standard really high. To lay down one's life for one's friends. So in your relationships, this is a question you can be asking yourself. If you're frustrated, if you're upset, just ask yourself, am I laying myself down? Am I laying myself down in love for this friendship? We talked about this last week because most of our perspective is, are, what are they doing? How are they serving me? Did they remember my, remember my birthday? Did they this? Did they this? And it's, it's very rarely, am I being intentional? Am I being deliberate? Am I giving? And I'll say it this way. A healthy relationship is when you and your partner both welcome putting up with the temporary pain of personal change for the greater gain of personal growth. You know what? I'm so grateful and I have not been grateful in the process, but I'm so grateful that Jamie and I are different. I have learned so much about me, about life, about the Lord through this relationship. And you know what? I used to have a real problem, like, being wrong ever, like, losing ever. Like, I had to stop playing City League basketball because I was losing my testimony, you know? It's like, uh, I, had a, I had a softball incident right when I moved here. Pastor Steve came to the game. Pastor, you're going to remember this. And I made a couple errors. It's about losing my mind, threw my glove on the field, was yelling at the umpire. Next week, I go to IHOP, ple- guilty pleasure, you know, grab some pancakes. And um, manager walks up to me and he goes, hey, I remember you. And I'm like, oh, from where? And he goes, oh, softball. I said, who, oh, really, you, did you play? And he goes, no, I was the umpire. <laughs> oh, I'll take another order of hot kicks, please. Uh, it, it's, listen, we sometimes, we're so high strung, high wired, refuse to lose that we're actually losing something more important. Listen, I, I can't be so right that I lose this. There has to be flexibility. Flexibility bends. The problem with manipulative relationships is they require you to break, not bend. But every good, thriving, healthy relationship will take giving on both sides of it. Healthy compromise. A healthy compromise benefits both parties. That's how you can gauge it. If a healthy compromise only benefits me, that's not a healthy compromise. A healthy compromise is where we both come together and say, let's get our heads around this together. Let's find out what you're saying. Okay, I'm going to understand what you're saying, what you need, and we're going to meet in the middle. Compromise requires both parties. Sacrifice requires one. And I'll say this about relationships. You're going to need both. There are times where you sacrifice. It requires one person. Sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice for my friend. I'm going to sacrifice for my spouse. Compromise. That place of equilibrium in your relationships is where both parties are now deciding, I'm going to give. I'm, I'm going to give. I really want to understand what you're saying. I remember we kind of went through this epiphany years ago in, in our marriage. Jamie mentioned it last, last week where she like really like understood what I was saying. And she's like, I, I think you're right. But it was at the same time that we were kind of like both understanding each other. They're like, wait, we're not always right. Like, I can see where you're coming from. I can see why you would be upset about that. I can see why you would say that. That place of healthy compromise is actually a beautiful place. 
the, The problem is that most people think that they can't lose a battle without losing themselves. Like, if I lose, then they're going to manipulate me. If I lose, then they're going to take over. No, you still have to have a stronghold on you and your identity and who you are, but you can lose a battle without losing you. It's okay. You you can be wrong and still be respected. I think there were some parts of me that if, like, if I'm wrong, then she's not going to respect me. If I'm wrong, so I would never give in. Sometimes we know we're wrong, and we just won't give in. You ever, you ever been around those people? You know, it's like, hey, I think you were wrong. You can prove it to them, and they're like, mm, oh, mm, oh. it's like, what was that? It's like, what? That's, that was them saying they were wrong. They can't actually say it. It just, like, comes out in this verbal, like, grunt. Like, sir, were you wrong or not? Mm, okay, like, we got to give up on this guy. We need to learn how to just say, you know what? I was wrong. And I'm sorry. You know, more, I have more respect for people that can come and say, we just talked about this in our staff meeting last week. I have more respect in people that can say, hey, you know what? I messed up. I was wrong. It gives you a place of trust because nobody can be right 100% of the time. And if you claim to be that, then you're discredited because I can't trust you because nobody's right 100% of the time. But if you can drop that wall and see that, you know what? Sometimes, sometimes I'm wrong. My way is not always the best way. My idea is not always the best idea. The way I load dish, the dishwasher, it, it, is, it is the best way. It is it's the right way. We're still, we're still working on that one. We're still working on that one. Intentional compromise. The, the third one, and this is where we'll close today, is it has to be intentional courage. If you've been in any type of relationship, you know this. It takes courage. It's, and it's not accidental courage. It's intentional courage. Yeah, one of the areas that we really try and be intentional, and it takes a lot of courage, is trusting again. Um, I used to be a very trusting person. I could be sitting next to a demon in torches and be like, they're just one, they're wonderful. Like, they're so fun and they're so nice. Like, I trusted everybody. And then life taught me, like it taught you, that people can't be trusted. And so when we stop trusting, We put up walls, we alienate, and we say, nobody's ever going to hurt me like that again. So now I have to be very intentional to trust people because, again, default now is, nope, nope, they did it, so they're all going to do it. She did it, so they're all going to do it, which isn't true. It's not true, but we think it is. Broken trust will always try to lead us to self-preservation and cynicism. And if we go into self-preservation and cynicism mode, then... We never let anybody in. But if nobody ever gets in, we have no intimacy and we have no, relation, no, we have no real relationships, which is what we really, really crave. Um, years ago, I had, a really, I had a break in a very close relationship of mine, and it was very painful. It was very traumatic. I had, I had caused some hurt that I wasn't aware of, and I tried to make it right, and there was no making it right. And, and I lost a relationship, and it was, it was really difficult for me, and a really difficult season. And this person was, uh, she used to be an intern. And so, and we were very close. And so what happened was, when this happened years ago, I was thinking, oh my goodness, like I gotta, I gotta protect, I can't go, my heart can't, right, go through this again. And so we're on our way up to the new class of interns that just came in, we're on our way up to their retreat and, in Broken Bow, and I remember we're on our way and I'm seeing all the new interns' faces and I just feel my, and I, I know you've probably felt this, I just feel myself go, oh, be careful, don't trust them. 
Don't, don't open up to them. Don't let them, right? Because one had hurt me. We have got to, as a church, stop letting one person who did this or two people who did this rob us of our future. Of, I, the, 30 year old, the 30 interns that were waiting for me didn't deserve to be robbed of a relationship with me nor I, the interns bring so much life to me. If I had closed up from them, I would have sealed off a part of my life that God was trying to bless me and heal me through. But if I don't have courage to say, I'm gonna trust again, then I'm just alone and by myself. Mistrust is a signal that we need healing. There's nothing wrong with, with being broken in areas. But God wants to heal us. He doesn't want us to walk around wounded and cynical and just self-preserving and, and thinking everybody's against us. He wants us happy, healthy, whole. says in Ephesians, I think, firmly rooted, grounded, built up. That's the goal of my life. But that doesn't happen when I shut down because of the one or the two that hurt me. We've got to be people who stop letting our past rob us of a future that God has for us if we can break through the area of, of trusting again. It's good. And I think along with trusting again, there comes a, 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 a trying again, right? There's this trust side, but there's also this, this just trying relationships again. We get hurt. We got broken trust. And, and now there's this like, I don't even know if I'm going to try again. I don't know if I'm ever going to love again. I don't know if I'm ever going to open my heart totally up again because I've been wounded so many times. We, we were at uh, Pinstack the other day and had our nephew there and, and the boys and they were playing and they have this like, you know, the giant like claw game, you know, comes down and grabs the toy and uh, you can spend a lot of money there really fast, failing over and over. Well, this one kid, he got like the, the prize, you know, he got the, the, the big bouncy ball and uh, he won it. All the kids saw it, they, they line up because now this, it's possible. And so they all line up, and they're all doing it. And, and, and this is what's really interesting, that every time they missed, they would adjust and then try again. They would never try the same technique over again without adjusting. And I think this is the key to trying again. We're not just saying, you know what, switch out partners and then try again. Because you have to change you. You've got to adjust something or you're going to get the exact same results. I talk to marriages all the time that really feel like, you know, they, they, they've gone out of one marriage and they're about to jump into another one just like this because they think that the difference of the partner is going to make the difference in the marriage. The difference in the marriage is going to be the difference in us. That's what's going to make the difference. You're the relational dynamic that needs to change. I'm the relational dynamic that needs to change. And when I change me, let's say you've came out of a bad marriage and you're looking to go into another marriage. That marriage is going to be different, not because just because that person is different. It's going to be different because you're different. And that you walked into it differently. And that you loved differently and served differently. And this is the reality. Relationships break. This is the reality. People break trust. That's what it is. But we cannot, just like what Jamie said, we can't let broken trust keep us from the value of the relationship on the other side. And this is God's plan for each of us, to walk in a relationship that has equilibrium. All our relationships, to, ha to be balanced, to have equilibri equilibrium. Trying again, there's a little equation I wrote, trying again plus adjusting method equals eventual success. A lot of people just try again. Try again, try again, try again, try again, try again, try again. If you don't change, you're going to come up with an empty claw. 
If you're going to take hold of something, you've got to try again. You have to have the intentional courage. I'm going to love again. I'm going to trust again. I'm going to try again. But I'm also going to do it differently. I'm going to try to be communicative. I'm going to try to be affirming. I'm going to try to put faith as a top priority. I'm going to focus on the Lord. I'm going to be in community. I'm going to try a group. I'm going to be intentional. All of these things, I'm going to adjust my life and adjust my living, and then I'm going to try again. It's good. The, the last one, intentional courage, is vulnerability. And vulnerability is so hard because it's really, it's almost like giving another person a gun, right? And being like, All right, maybe, maybe. Like, it's so exposing. It's so scary. What's interesting, though, is that we crave at our core intimacy. At our, we were made for intimacy. We, that's what we had in the very, very beginning. And sin broke that down. And so now we walk in fear, and then fear leads us to not trusting. And then when we don't trust, we never expose ourselves to anybody. But if we never expose ourselves to anybody, we'll never really be known. And people who hide, people who hide can never really feel loved. So the thing that we crave we're keeping from ourselves the feeling of being loved for who we are and intimacy because we never really show who we are. And so we think that and we know deep down that they love the face I put on. And we know it's not real. So therefore, I never feel loved at my core. The old, vulnerability is the courage to be imperfect with somebody. That doesn't mean that you just go telling everybody all your biz. Absolutely not, right? We gotta, there are safe people, there are unsafe people. There are good situations for that, there are bad situations. But somebody, everyone needs somebody. Pastor Steve's wife, Lisa, she knows every, she knows the good, the bad, the ugly. I could tell her anything. She will love me. To, to the day I die, she will love me. People need, everybody needs somebody that you can be who you are with. Expose insecurity, sadness, um, sin, mistakes, anxieties, and have somebody there that's going to walk with you. I was at lunch with a friend a few weeks ago, and I was just going through something. And so I'm talking, I'm crying over, you know, fish. And I'm just like, it's just rough. Like, I feel pulled in every direction. I can't be enough for anybody. Like, my kids are eating bad. We're barely sleeping. Like, we, I mean, just going through it, right? Like, I would need to play more with my kids, but I also got to, like, do good at the church. And, and on top of it all, the boys like Dustin more than me. <laughs> and I, I'm just sobbing, right? And I'm just putting it all, I'm putting it all out there for my friend. And, and, and I'm just like, they worship the ground he walks on when he comes in. And I walk in the room, and they're like, where's your iPad? And so, and so my son is, uh, uh, hi. <laughs> And so he heard the word iPad. Did you see that? Ding. Um, but it, it was interesting because even though I trust this person and love her, and we've been five, six years together now, it was still kind of, like I'm really, I'm really being messy right now. And she looked at me, and she cried with me, and she's like, you're doing great. I feel like that every day. You're going to make it. Your kids, one day they're going to love you more. <laughs> And that's all I needed. I didn't need like three hours of intercessory prayer. I needed to get it out to somebody that's trustworthy. And so we have to be people who find people that we're willing to be vulnerable with. And this church is the best place I have found. Yes. It's amazing. It's good. Such good people. It's good. Here. It's good. I want to. I want to close today um, with kind of just this picture of. The, the, the old arcade claw machine. And 
I just want you to think about your relationships and think about maybe your marriages or, or your kids or whatever, whatever relationship kind of comes to mind as we think about this. And no matter how many times you've come up empty, God's plan for you is to take hold of something maybe that you've never had, maybe that you've never experienced, maybe an intimacy that you've never even known. I don't know what it is, but I know this, God desires it for you. Not just for you with others, but for you with him. It's this, it's this two-way street. We talked about this last week. The cross is both vertical and horizontal. Vertical is relationship, up and down. Horizontal is with others, with people. Jesus died for both, that we could have a relationship with him and that we can make it right with one another. You know, the Bible says this. It says his disciples are talking to Jesus one day, and they say, how many times should we forgive? You know, like once or twice, maybe three times. Jesus says, not just seven times, 70 times seven. Jesus is saying, you should forgive as many times as you need to forgive. You should just forgive. Well, they have, they have reached the limit. I'm never going to forgive them. No, you can put a boundary up and still forgive. And I think that because many of us, we've spent effort and we've spent resources on empty claws. We never got the prize that we wanted. We give up. And our, our, our really assignment, we feel is in these couple weeks of talking together, is to just get you to believe big again for your relationships. To get you to believe that you can have a better life, a better friendship than even what you have. Maybe some of you are feeling lonely even today. I want to encourage you, challenge you to just ask the Lord to send you someone. The Bible says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. If there's somebody there, I just need to find them. And maybe you just need to ask the Lord to help me identify who this is. So I don't know what you came in with, what you're dealing with, but if you're feeling like you've come up empty on some relationships, I just want you to know there's hope. And that if you are consistent in trying again and adjusting the method, one of these times you're going to take hold of an intimacy, a friendship, relationship equilibrium like you've never had before. And I believe, really, I believe it's lying on the other side of your intentionality. Saying we're going to do this. It's not going to happen by accident. This is what the scripture says in, in our text. It said in verse 26, but if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his, his message just says it, you know, who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in, the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Too many relationships, too many marriages, too many friendships collapsing like house of cards. Why is the text saying they're collapsing? It's because they're not built on the rock. But how do they build on the rock? The way they build on the rock is by putting the words into action. Maturity is not knowledge. It's not information. Maturity is application. It's taking what you know and then applying it. So I just want to encourage you, try again. Send the claw down again. Adjust the method and try again. Trust again. Reach out again. And I believe that God's going to give you the friends, the relationships, the community that you need. People, this, this message is practical. People say, well, I'd rather have something a little more theological. I'm just going to tell you this. There is, according to your Bible, there is nothing more theological than what we're talking about today. Love God and love each other is the foundation of the entire Bible. It's more theological than anything else we could touch on today. And it is important. We need it. It's how we're going to make a difference in our world. It's how we're going to make a difference in future generations. It's by relationship. Even if you've missed a couple times, try again. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.